The healthcare industry has undergone transformational change in the past 10 years, especially as it relates to the implementation of technology. Even so, there's much more to do and many companies are out there doing it, but you don't know about them. At Intrepid Healthcare, our podcast will bring you the crazy ones, the rebels, the troublemakers, the ones who see things differently. The people that are crazy enough to think they can change the world in healthcare. So sit tight and enjoy as we tell the story of another thought leading trailblazer. Welcome back to Intrepid Healthcare. I'm your host, Joe Lavelle, and I'm really looking to our conversation today with another trailblazing innovator on the topic of complex care coordination. We're going to get right to it today. We're joined by Mike Myers, Executive Vice President of Solution Delivery for Access Point Health. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. Happy to be here. Thanks so much for making the time today. Before we start a discussion, could you take a few seconds and tell the audience about you and your background? Sure. I've... uh Worked at healthcare software and services for 30 years, four different startups, one of which was the predecessor company to Access Point prior to it being acquired by McKesson. In those roles, I've had a variety of product management, product development, client service roles, and in this company, I have responsibility for operational delivery of our nurse advice line, as well as our condition management and complex case management programs. Great. And then if you could help us remind the audience maybe at a 10,000-foot level, what Access Point Health does for your customers? Sure. We work with customers that range from state governments who are transitioning Medicaid aware from fee-for-service to managed care models to large commercial health plans who have Medicaid segments or growing ACA segments. And then we also work with commercial plans around the country in the provision of our nurse advice line. And in all cases, what we're trying to do is help them and their members understand their conditions better, help them and make better decisions for themselves, and to guide and counsel them along their way. And so whether it's a short five- or six-minute phone call on a nurse advice line or a protracted six- or seven- or eight-month condition management program that we'll do for a member, we're really all about helping them understand and make better decisions about what care they access, what care they need, and how they should think about it. And you've teed up my first question just perfectly, so thanks for that, Mike. Can you tell us more about how you help guide patients into the appropriate levels of care? Sure. So in the case of um, our nurse advice line, we have contracts with a variety of organizations, and we provide services to about 40 million people in the United States. As they develop symptoms... They are encouraged to call our nurse advice line. Once they've done so, the nurse will ask them about their symptoms, and then we use an algorithm-based system to walk them through a variety of questions that our physician network has developed with us over really a course of 20 years. And as part of that, the nurse is there to ask them the questions that the system is prompting, clarify as necessary, and then help them reach the decisions that they need to make based on their symptoms. In the end, what we have found is that we will refer some of these members to a higher level of care than they were anticipating going to. And in in the majority of cases, we will refer them to a lower level of care than they were planning on going to. And then in some client cases, we actually will go through 
our claims that have been provided to us and validate that the members have followed our recommendations post the actual uh, phone encounter with our members. So that's one form that we take. Another form is as we're providing complex case management for members with serious problems and conditions who are typically costing the healthcare system or a health plan a considerable amount of money, we'll work with them on medication therapy, medication adherence, exercise, diet, better understanding of triggers and things that have, uh, affect their diseases, and, and try to help them understand and monitor the disease more disciplined and with more effect as to why they're doing it. So those are a couple of examples of what we do and how we try and help members that access our various services to make better informed decisions and to take more accountability for the care that they are seeking and the care that they need. Perfect. I was reading as I was preparing that you're doing some interesting things regarding ED direction rates. Can you tell us what you're doing there? Sure, yeah. There were studies done by the American Academy of Family Practice back in the 90s, and their study basically revealed that 55% of all ED encounters in the country were medically unnecessary, but because the members had no alternatives, they ended up going into urgent care ED settings as really their only way of accessing a primary care model. So what we do through our nurse advice line that we call GuidePoint or our disease management programs is we provide them with an alternative and a very quick alternative so that they can literally pick up the phone. They'll be talking to a nurse in a very short period of time. We'll ask them what symptoms they're experiencing, and then we'll walk them through the algorithms to help our nurse and them reach the right levels of care. And so based on that, we are able to offer a substantial level of redirection to lower levels of care. And since redirection includes moving the member from an ED setting to going to see a physician or potentially staying at home and monitoring it, and then we'll call them back in eight or 10 hours just to see how they're doing, we're able to achieve a consistent, documented, and very strong model in terms of ED redirection, but it also includes other forms of care level direction as well. Wow, that's amazing. 55% of ED visits are medically unnecessary. That's crazy. Yeah, that was based on a family practice study back in the 90s, and it's been confirmed, validated in a number of ways over the last 15 years. It makes a lot of sense. We do a lot of interviewing on our show about telemedicine, and hopefully telemedicine can be a part of that solution where you can help redirect patients away from an emergency room to a urgent care telemedicine solution or a non-urgent care telemedicine solution that will help them get a faster answer and a much lower cost answer to whatever their challenge is. Yeah, we certainly agree, and we're actually already doing that for a couple of clients now who have asked us to, under certain recommendations, provide their members with a recommendation that they contact a telemedicine organization, and we'll actually facilitate that for them. And we expect, as you do, that that will continue to grow as telemedicine proves to be a viable alternative when it's appropriately used. And I stress appropriately because it can be overused just like anything. Absolutely. One of our other favorite topics is predictive analytics, Mike. Are you guys using predictive analytics to do things like reduce admissions, that kind of thing? 
Yeah, so we have a proprietary predictive analytics platform that we've developed over 15 years. It offers C scores that are as high as anything in the industry, which is basically a level of prediction and accuracy. We use it to shape opinions, though, about population analytics and which members of a population are most likely to experience unusual behavioral, physical, or combined elements of those two and focus the health plan and our care management organization on those members. Historically and up to now, we have not focused on readmission prediction, although that's part of a new program that we are developing and will be offering to a health plan that is very interested in us doing that for them. So the basis of that will be a very similar kind of model where less variables are evaluated and we will then develop a prediction score as to the likelihood of this member requiring a readmission. And if it's at a certain level, we'll automatically enroll them into our complex case program. If it's at another level, we'll recommend to the plan that we enroll them in our condition program. And if it's at even a lower level, then we'll provide that member and that primary care physician with a a connection to encourage that member to see the primary care physician on a more regular basis. So that is something that is in design now. It'll be based on what we've already done in predictive analytics for a long period of time, and it'll be something that we think will be very useful to health plans where they have large networks and they have a lot of complexity in assessing which members require or are most likely to require follow-up post-discharge. And as you know, in Medicare, nearly 30% of discharges end up in some form of readmission. The Medicaid levels are lower than that, but still too high. And so we think it'll be an attractive program. As I said, it's something we're working on now. Great. Had the good fortune about a year ago of speaking with Otto Campo, right as you guys were becoming an independent company. And one of the things he was excited about is he thought there was tremendous opportunity that as an independent company you'd be able to take advantage of in the care coordination market. Can you describe the market dynamics today? Is it still in its infancy? Is it growing? I think there's no question it's growing. When you look at the expansion of the ACA model and the number of those members that are now seeking care and have insurance to enable that, who don't necessarily have strong established primary care relationships, that's one significant trigger for growth. And I think the other one is just the consistent and rapid rise of the Medicaid populations in states around the country. Both those are significant drivers to keep care coordination needs. And and depending on how you define that, we see a growing need to help members seek the right kinds of alternatives, seek the right levels of care, seek the right levels of providers that are appropriate for the conditions that they have. And and that can range to include things like durable medical equipment, home care coordination. It can include a variety of things, and it really depends on individual member assessment as to their family situation, their home situations, and, and what they're most likely to need as as they transition from different levels of care to, to the other. Outstanding. Mike, one of our favorite things to do on our show is to have our guests brag about the great work their teams are doing. Could you tell us about a client that you guys have really knocked the ball out of the park with in the last six months or year? 
Yeah, I, I guess I'd probably think about our contract with the state of Texas, which is a wellness program for a pediatric population. We've been in this program with the state of Texas for an extended period of time. We just had it measured again and validated by a third-party organization, and we were able to show a 17% reduction on their costs versus what they'd expected to see on a normal basis. And so in this particular case, that resulted in tens of millions of dollars in savings for them over what they normally would have expected if our program hadn't been in place. So that's a fairly recent success story, but we have a lot of those at the state level. We have a growing number of those at the health plan level, and then we're also increasingly focused on provider-sponsored health plans and provider-owned health plans that have many of the same problems, and we think we offer a very good solution for Great. Mike, what if I miss, what would you like our audience to know now about Access Point Health that I haven't already asked? I'll probably say two additional things. One of them is that population management is a combination of population risk assessment and then enrollment into the correct programs and helping them achieve different navigation paths as they need or seek or plan to seek care. And then I'd say the second thing is that the ability to analyze not only what population needs help, but then how effective is your program and and how much is that impacting that member on a long-term basis is increasingly important. In the commercial models, 70% of care changes from one year to the next. So, in other words, a population that costs a significant amount to a health plan in one year, 70% of those members won't be the same in a commercial plan the following year. So the dynamic nature of populations and how they transition and the importance of analytics, constantly assessing well, not only who are we focused on, but the, uh, the efficacy of our programs, and then the members' ability to sustain their own model and to make their own decisions is all part of what we're increasingly focused on as we look forward. Perfect. Mike, we're running out of time here, but before I let you go, where can people go to learn more about Access Point Health? Yeah, well, I'd certainly recommend that they go to the website, accesspointhealth.com, and there are a variety of contacts and white papers and such there, and you can certainly reach out to us on our info page, and we'll be responsive in our follow-up. Perfect. Mike, thanks for stopping by our show and sharing your great wisdom with our audience. Joe, thanks a lot, and have a great day. You too. That wraps this broadcast. On behalf of our guest, Mike Myers, I'm Joe Lavelle, and we'll see you soon on Intrepid Healthcare.